0: What's up everybody, welcome to this episode of the TM Podcast. I am your host Chuck and today I'm going to be talking about Avengers Endgame. Like I said in my last episode, I don't really think this movie in particular needs a review. Uh, If you were going to watch it, you're going to watch it. Uh, Hopefully everybody's watched it by now because I'm about to talk about everything. Uh, Ever since the new Spider-Man Far From Home trailer came out a couple days ago, that's pretty much got all the spoilers, everything that you need to know. Uh, in that trailer so they kind of already have let the lid off uh, basically on what happens with most of the characters not all of them but in that trailer the big reveals kind of spoil the movie so if you haven't seen it yet uh, this is your warning not to listen to <laughs> this episode right now Let's just take a break uh, maybe I'll dr- try to drop some more episodes you can listen to or you can go back and listen to some of my old stuff and uh, come back to this one after you've seen the movie if you listen to this and picked up on some of the same stuff that I'm talking about or some of the things that I saw or if some of the themes resonated with you hit me up on Twitter and let me know at T M P. that's O-D-C-A-S-T T-M-P and we can talk about it you can tell me how you feel I'll you know if you hit me up on the show's Twitter I'll hit you back <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, thanks for listening um, and we'll, we'll get right to it. So before I get into the show, just want to let you guys know that the TM podcast is now available on this app called PodCoin. Uh, I'm not doing an ad for it. I'm just going to let you guys know. If you listen to podcasts regularly, uh, PodCoin, what it does is, as you listen, the time that you listen, basically you get paid for that. So they have like, uh, I guess they're called PodCoins. Um, But for every 10 minutes that you listen to a podcast, you get one of these coins. And then over time, you accumulate enough coins, you can trade it in on their app. And you can get things like gift cards and other things. Um, But, in addition to Anchor, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Stitcher, I'm now available on Podcoin, where you can get paid to listen. Uh, so, like I said, every ten minutes you get one Podcoin, and if you when you sign up, if you use the referral code TM Podcast, then you'll get three hundred coins, which is essentially the same thing as listening to 3000 minutes of a podcast so uh, if you sign up, if you want to use that that app, uh, use the code TMPODCAST and get you 300 coins um, the more you listen to podcasts the more it's going to add up and you can get you some, uh, some nice rewards that's me looking out for you guys uh, also I get those too if you sign up and listen and you use my referral code so HBO, help a brother out <laughs> sign up if, uh, if that's what you want to do. Like I said, it's not an advertisement. I'm not getting paid to say this. I just want to let you guys know about another platform that the show is available on. So I'm talking movies today, and I got to give a shout-out to John Singleton, the famed director and filmmaker uh, who recently passed away after having a a stroke. Um, He directed I guess what you would consider hood classics (laughs) Uh, such as Poetic Justice, Boys in the Hood, Uh, and one of the movies that moved me when I was younger, uh, Higher Learning. Um, Because of how I grew up or where I grew up, Um, I, I kind of grew up in a very diverse situation. So I was around a lot of different people and I think what that movie touched on for me in particular, higher learning is kind of being a fish out of water and not really knowing people's intentions. Um, if you haven't seen the movie yet, it's a movie about a kid who goes to college and while he's in college, uh, Basically, ends up running into uh, white supremacists uh, in the school, and it's basically uh, how there was a clash of of the races in a, in an educational institution, which I thought was a very fresh perspective on looking at the the situation of you know what happens when there's integration, but racism still prevails or is still persistent Uh, so I think there's probably a lot of parallels from that movie to uh, a lot of different things that you see nowadays where you don't necessarily face overt racism even in the movie though it's pretty overt but that was way way back in the day Um, in that movie it was pretty overt but uh, nowadays you kind of see a little bit more subdued uh, <laughs> microaggressions, I guess, is what they call it. And at the time in my life when that movie came out, uh, I kind of that resonated with me because I was in a pretty similar situation where you didn't really know how people felt, and people made jokes or whatever, you didn't know if they, if they were harmless or harmful, or you know what was going to happen. Um, that was one, probably my favorite movie that he made. Um, but also, Boys in the Hood, which is a, a straight classic, poetic justice. Um, and then he went on to uh, assist with the uh, Fast and Furious franchise, I believe. So he was one of the one of the first black directors that came out in that that era of black directors that didn't get pigeonholed or didn't let himself get pigeonholed. Um, shout out to F. Garrett Gray as well. Um, and you see the tradition continuing with. My man, Ryan Coogler, who (laughs) directed Black Panther, which is a Marvel movie, which is gonna help me bring this thing right, right back to Avengers. So, like I said, I'm gonna talk about spoilers, I'm gonna talk about my perspective in this movie, uh, from this movie, when I went to go watch it. But I think, initially, I have to start off by letting you guys know what happened when I went to go watch it. Um, So this is a three-hour movie, so, basically everybody's trying to figure out their plan <laughs> prior to going into it they're like you know how much can I drink how much can I eat because I want to watch this whole thing and I don't want to be getting up to go to the bathroom more than once or at all uh, I'm proud to say I did not pee <laughs> during this movie um, and I mean it wasn't it's not jam-packed to the point where if you get up and, and leave that you're gonna miss something important but uh, pretty much you had to plan for that, so I think I probably stopped drinking liquid maybe about two hours before I went to go watch the movie, and then I just got me a little bottle of water instead of my normal big, big old popcorn and uh, and a giant icy. It's my favorite, that's my movie uh, standard right there, but uh. Yeah, um, so I went there uh, that night, it was a 10.30 show, and it was on a Thursday, so I couldn't take my kids, even though I wanted to, I couldn't take them, because the movie wasn't going to be over till 1 or 2 o'clock, and they had school the next day. Uh, my oldest son, he's really into the Marvel movies, I think, between us, we've probably seen all of them at some point together, uh, and we usually would go watch Minute theater, but I work nights, and... He had school so he, I couldn't take him to this one but there was also no way I was gonna miss the first show because spoilers <laughs> you know how that goes even now like even after watching the movie I still don't like to see this people spoiling the movie out of spite or out of whatever I know something that you don't know um, but anyways When I went to go buy the tickets uh, with the app, it was pretty much sold out. I think I told the story already, but it was pretty much sold out except for like the seats that nobody wants. But I was able to find a decent seat uh, solo, but I only bought my my seat. I didn't buy the one next to me. So I knew I was gonna have a neighbor. I just didn't know who it was gonna be. So I get into the movie theater and he's already sitting down. I showed up maybe about 30 minutes early something like that he's already sitting down there, and we had a nice little chat and i thought that that was cool because uh we are not the same <laughs> the same kind of people uh but this movie kind of brought together all walks of people uh and we had a nice little conversation prior to about you know just how big of a fan are you of this movie and like why, you know, what brought you to it, how much you like the comics and everything like that. For those of you that don't know, uh, I'm into the comics. I haven't read, I'm not like an every issue type person. Uh, I'll probably say like I'm a moderate fan, but I really do enjoy the movies and the characters. uh, And a lot of the big storylines in the comics are things that I follow. Uh, But that being said, The movies kind of stand on their own so you can watch the movie without reading the comics and still know what's going on like if you listen to this you probably you already (laughs) know what I'm talking about Uh, but anyways so I'm just chilling I'm sitting I got me a seat on the edge uh, (laughs) which wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be because I figured like people were gonna be getting up to go use the bathroom or buy popcorn or whatever the whole movie but pretty much everybody chilled um, for the whole three hours so a lot of people got up and used the bathroom but it was in and out it wasn't like people just constantly up and down and moving and everything like that so i was able to enjoy the movie without too much in the way of interruptions and uh, if you want a review i'll give it to you i like the movie it was a very good movie it was a fitting conclusion to having sat through and watched every single marvel movie up to that point um, I think it had good, good moments, great moments for every character, and for a three hour movie it's kind of a shame, but <laughs> my only criticism of it was that it was too short. Uh, it probably could have been another hour of all the stuff that they kind of skipped over. Um, and I've heard a lot of criticism uh, from people saying that it was too long. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was long and it feels long. It feels heavy. It's a steak of a movie. <laughs> it's like eating a baked potato. Like, you know, you just ate it. You're not going to be hungry in a in few minutes. Um, and even saying that, like, I don't think it's one of those movies where you can just watch it back to back to back. Um, probably need a breather after watching it. Um, but the perspective that I took out of it, when I was watching it, is at the end of the day, it's it's a love story. It's for the people that, for the last 10 years, have watched and loved these movies, watched and, and loved these characters, um, and how the characters have interacted with each other. They, they go through every emotion. <laughs> so... It's it's like the inside out of superhero movies, <laughs> cause this movie's got it's got everything in it. Um, but the thing that I took out of it the most was the love. Um, whether or not the the actors playing the movie playing in the movies love being who they are <laughs> uh, in the movie, or if they love you know every story or every movie that they've been in, um, they. The way they play the characters lets you know that the franchise itself loves its fans. Now they're on what I think like four billion dollar movies in a row. Um because you had Black Panther, Infinity War. I'm sure Ant-Man didn't make a billion dollars. Ant Man and the Wasp, I'm sure that didn't make a billion dollars. But Captain Marvel made a billion dollars, and then Endgame made a billion dollars 30 seconds after they announced it. So, (laughs) so, um, of course, they're they're in love because they're cashing out, which is not a bad thing. Um, The movies are of a good quality. They're not not all over the place like uh, DC movies have been. By the way, I went to go watch Shazam, and and that's a really good movie, too. I would recommend it. And if you got teens that are into superhero movies, take them. Uh, I took my son, he's nine, but <laughs> he liked it. So I think he might've been a little too young for some of the stuff that was happening, but it's a good movie. Um, anyways, back to Endgame. Um, at the end of the day, uh, I think the, the movie's a big payoff for them asking you to watch so many movies and I think the flip side people <laughs> people think that or people may say that you know the opposite of love would be hate but I feel like in this movie the opposite of love was his loss um, So the way the movie starts out uh, you got Hawkeye and he's training his daughter to shoot arrows, and they're having like a nice family moment. It's him and his whole family, and they're at the ranch that you see, and uh, I think it's Civil War. I'm pretty sure it's Civil War. Um, but they're at that ranch uh, with Hawkeye's family, and uh, he's teaching his daughter how to shoot arrows, and This is right as the snap happens. So he goes to take the arrow out of the target and turns around and essentially his his family's gone. So this is the first character moment because for Hawkeye all we really know about him up to this point is that he has worked with the shield part in the past and he has worked with Natasha and they have a, a deep bond, Black Widow, they have a deep bond and he has a family nobody knows about Uh, we find that out in uh, no no no, I take that back that's Age of Ultron we find that out Um, we find that out then he's got a wife and kids he he named his kid after Black Widow and Quicksilver who who died in that movie Um, but you see he's he's just like you and I when he's not shooting arrows at space aliens and the movie starts where we left off basically uh, he lost people that he cares about maybe people he cared about the most which is essentially the ending of uh, Infinity War because the people that were left like yeah all six Avengers were uh, the OG Avengers uh, didn't get snapped, but basically all the relationships, everything that they built up through the end of that movie, the end of Infinity War, uh, those people all disappeared. Um, so pretty much everybody is, is dealing with this, this loss from the end of the first movie. And you can see that that's basically what causes the pain and brings in their determination to go uh, bring everybody back so when Hawkeye loses his family the people that he loves uh, you see later on in the movie the consequence of that is that he he doesn't really necessarily in the movie come across as a guy that'll do anything to, to get his family back like he seems like he just wants to inflict that pain one of the people that he feels like deserves it. And... It's very relatable. <laughs> uh, as people. You know, her people, her people. Um, and I think he kind of embodies that mentality. Uh, the next scene from the beginning of the movie is... Uh, Iron Man and Nebula. And they're in the spaceship. They're still lost in space. And for him it's kind of a knowing loss like he when he leaves in Infinity War he knows to some degree that he may not make it back and he goes to face Thanos they they come up with the plan to stop him to stop everything that he's, he's gonna do and it doesn't work and even if it would have worked he still wasn't 100% sure that he was gonna be able to get back but um, in that point you see he's talking to Pepper which in the beginning of Infinity War he's talking about starting a family and everything like that which is a complete 180 from the Tony Stark that we saw in in the first Iron Man complete 180 um, in my last episode I was talking about how I think his character arc is the best in the whole series because he's the, he's the main one that, that goes through every event that happens in, in the series of the movies. Um, he <laughs> some betrayal, uh, PTSD, people dying, um, finding out that his best friend knew that his best friend <laughs> killed his parents, like, man, what a ride for Iron Man. But at this point, he feels like he, he already lost everything. And I'm, he obviously didn't give up hope because he didn't he didn't give up. He was ready to accept defeat. Um, but he gets rescued by Captain Marvel, so it doesn't matter anyways. And that's one of the parts I, I thought like the movie could have been longer to kinda explain that, because he's just standing in the mirror or standing in the window and he sees Captain Marvel as she brings him home or whatever. I feel like for this movie to be three hours long, they kind of skipped over a lot of different stuff. I'm not mad at what they skipped over, but it doesn't create a plot hole. It's just like, let's hurry up and get to what everybody wants to see. Uh, but he comes back and he's mad at, at Steve Rogers, which again, like these are our guys that fought together. Um, so whatever the relationship between them is, It's, I I want to say it's similar to maybe what a veteran would have. So in the military they have a thing called battle buddies. And these are like the people you rely on. You may not, they may not be your best friend or whatever, but you know, when, when you're away and when you're deployed or something like that, like these are your people you hang out with. (laughs) Uh, And you end up forming a kind of relationship that's a little bit different from everything else. Um it's not love it's it's more camaraderie, I would say. And from his perspective, Captain America betrayed him. Uh, and I think from Captain America's perspective, Iron Man betrayed the Avengers and the team, so he's all who a team. but uh, anyways they they give he give, comes back to earth and then they have words. <laughs> But I mean like, my man is all skinny, he hasn't eaten, he comes back, he might have just been hangry, I'm not sure. But he lets loose on Captain America, and I, I feel like he deserved it, cause he was talking all that rah rah. And at the end of the day, he was out in space with a bunch of aliens trying to stop a big purple guy. And what seems like by himself, and his protege, uh, Spider-Man, got dusted away so you know he's in a tough spot at that point in the movie and they they don't have a plan which I think is also very relatable um, sometimes you f- you find yourself in a spot where you don't necessarily see a way out and it's gonna take I think at this point in at least in the movie um everybody at this point that didn't get snapped lost somebody they loved. Some people lost more than most. But uh, at that point they don't know what to do. They want to fix it, but they can't. And they try to continue. there's a lot of parts in the beginning of the movie that kind of reflect that. How are we going to move past it uh even cap is in a support group with a bunch of people that didn't get snapped that are talking about you know where do where do we go from here so um i think that establishes a love not a romantic love but uh loving something so much that when you lose it you lose direction And I think that's the driving force of the movie that causes them to, to go on this wild adventure, but either way, um, I'm gonna kind of skip over this part, even though, so one of the big jaw droppers in the movie is in the beginning, they go find Thanos and they basically just exact their, their revenge. Tony calls him out, he says, you know, we're the Avengers, stuff has to happen, and then we go out and avenge things, but we don't ever stop stuff. Uh, he makes a lot of good points uh, when it comes to that, but either way, they go get or uh, Thanos to try to find the Infinity Stones, because they're just gonna, I guess their plan is just to undo what he did, which it's a pretty basic plan, right? Like, let's just go find him, get it, and undo it which coincidentally enough, uh, as unoriginal or as uninspiring as that storyline is, is exactly what happens in the comics. <laughs> in the comics, uh, Nebula just gets the infinity gauntlet and she undoes everything that he does. Um, but in the movie, in the comics, uh, in the movie, they, he snaps everybody away in the beginning of the comics. It happens fairly early. And the majority of that comic is them fighting Thanos to try to get, uh, to try to bring everybody back, but they fight him directly with the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, So it's basically like, hey, here's the Infinity Gauntlet, here's everything that it can do. And he does it to all your favorite characters. But then at the end, uh, just as quick as it happened, uh, Nebula snaps it all away and. She brings back everybody that Thanos snapped away in the the beginning. But this movie takes a different turn. They actually go find him after he's resting and Thor (laughs) goes for the head, chops his head off. I did not see that coming. My jaw literally was on the floor. Um, So at that point I was like, oh wow, you know, this is a different kind of movie. And they were really good with the marketing too because they didn't show Thanos too much. So they didn't show, if they would have shown him uh, up to this point, you would have seen that he didn't, uh, he wasn't the one that you saw in the movie. Like he was weakened. He was, for lack of a better word, more peaceful. He wasn't as aggressive. And he was kind of pensive about it. I mean, I don't think he regretted it, but definitely was like, I was too tempted to, to do more stuff. So he kind of faced that temptation and he destroyed the stones with the stones. Um, prior to that though, I should talk about Thor. <laughs> uh, Fat Thor, which was another jaw-dropper for this movie, um, made me like it. Cause I was like, uh, Fat Thor, is you know Chris Hemsworth's been getting them abs tight for the whole like rest of the rest of the 20-something movies over 10 years. You know he had to keep them abs tight. In this movie, he gets to kind of be a slob, which is kind of refreshing. Uh, and he stays that way the whole movie. Like he doesn't hit like a uh, he doesn't retrain and like get swole by the end of the movie. He's still skinny in this part because this is basically like right afterwards. But after that, uh, after they chop Thanos' head off, he just goes to his spot and he gets fat. (laughs) They got like a little town, New Asgard, uh, in Norway. And him and all the Asgardians are just chilling. He's actually like playing Fortnite. But the way he deals with, I think his, his arc is... He lost everybody prior to. And he lost everybody for real. He lost everybody in Ragnarok and Dark World and all those movies. Uh, so it wasn't they didn't get snapped away. They all were killed prior to. Uh, so his loss can't be undone. And I think he comes to terms with that by just chilling, which is kind of more in line with the actual Thor Thor of Norse mythology uh, if you read Norse mythology or, or study it you know Thor's kind of a jerk he's not you know the laughable guy that you see in the movies I mean he has that same personality but he's a bit of a, a jerk about everything um, but after he gets everything taken away from him and like I said for real he becomes a different, uh, different kind of person. He's probably the most angry uh, in Infinity War, and then when you get to Endgame, he does what he sets out to do, and at that point, he doesn't have a purpose anymore. So he's just like, "I'm gonna chill," because, like I said, they don't they don't see a way to get to bring all the people back. Um, for Scott Lang for Ant-Man who I think in the movie the next one to show up he uh basically it's only been five hours for him which I guess includes the flight from <laughs> from San Francisco or the drive from San Francisco to Avengers HQ um but he was trapped in the quantum realm at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp and at that point, they kind of discuss the main mechanic of this movie, which ends up being time travel, using these quantum particles to time travel. Um, his daughter's still alive, <laughs> so he gets to stay happy. Because he, he loses like his ex-wife, but I think he does. But his daughter's still alive, so uh, he looks and sees like who all passed away and everything like that who all got snapped away um which his crew did but he actually basically just has a solution to the problem so he shows up with the Avengers and then at that point um long story short they formulate the plan to get everybody back um Another part I thought that they could have elaborated on was making Hulk, uh, showing kind of how Hulk did what he did, which is kind of merged the Bruce Banner with the Incredible Hulk. Um, that would have been interesting instead of him just showing up and, hey, you smart Hulk. But the way it was played, it got a laugh um, and it's an easy enough explanation. Like, hey, this is what happened now, so let's not dwell on it. Let's. Hurry up and get to what everybody (laughs) everybody came to see, which I think is, you know, basically the mode of this movie. Um, But then how they go about doing what they got to do, they end up going back in time. And hopefully everybody's watched the movie, so you guys know what all happens at that point. Um, I think think this is the part that really kind of hits home as far as the love portion of it um whenever they go back to get the stones tony kind of messes up or the hope runs into him and they end up not being able to get the space stone um so they end up going back further to get more pin particles and more and get the space stone from the og shield where tony stark his dad worked and he ends up spending time with his dad which if you've been following the movies you know like him and his dad kind of had a standoffish relationship it wasn't like a love-hate thing but it, I mean, his dad was busy so it kind of speaks to the sacrifice of having to do what you have to do versus being able to maintain a family life which in a way parallels the way that Tony feels in this movie cuz he's kind of reluctant the whole the whole way he does he has a daughter with Pepper, this is five years later he has a daughter with Pepper and he doesn't want to avenge anymore he just wants to be a family man and I think at that point he's already kind of resigned to hey I'm gonna have to do this to save the world and Pepper gave him the go ahead but the time that he spends with his dad he kind of realizes like his dad did love him and he was very excited about having uh, a child but his obligation um with him being the genius that he was kind of required that he wasn't able to spend as much time with his kid as he liked and i think that a lot of everything tony's story is the culmination of everything but i think that part kind of sets him free for what he's got to do at the end um which is a call to duty, having to do what you need to do as opposed to doing what you wanna do. Um, so I think the time he got to spend with his, with his dad was cathartic and it kind of plays out that story of love um, parental. Uh, he got to speak to his dad, with his dad not knowing that it was his son so there was no bias there was no fakery in it (laughs) like of course you're gonna tell your kids that you love them but if you don't know that this is your kid you know whatever somebody's telling you is the truth um and then the heartbreak scene which was when uh clint and natasha hawkeye and black widow go to get the soul stone and they do the the big argument now In the movie it was kind of hinted before we found out that Hawkeye had a family it was hinted that uh, maybe they had a relationship of a romantic kind but then you end up finding out that that was not the case she knew he had a family um, and she was to be honest probably more interested in Bruce Banner than in uh, Hawkeye but they have again a, a bond to where they know that the price for the soul stone is a soul. So, Clint feels like he's lost everything already. He's kind of ready to give give it up and sacrifice for what he considers to be the greater good. And I guess Black Widow feels like she doesn't have a family, um, but she does love Clint's family and she loves him. So she doesn't want him in case this crazy plan works she doesn't want him to lose his family when she really doesn't have anybody to go back to. So she ends up... They end up dueling or whatever and it's kind of a tense scene but it just shows, you know, the two characters that, you know, how much they they end up loving each other and at the end of the day Black Widow makes that sacrifice. Um, and... At that point, you know, for me, that was kind of that was a heartbreaker. At that point, because I was like, man, she's she's really gone. Because you can't bring her back. Like you're not gonna be able to bring Gamora back. The one that you know, the one from our time. The one that Thanos threw off uh, to get the Soul Stone. And for me that's it's kind of when it hit home that that scene in the the movie was kind of when it hit home that you know this is more or less a love story in the way that you know just because you love something doesn't mean that everything's going to work out for you which i think is kind of real i don't particularly like a lot of romantic comedies or a lot of love stories because basically they follow the same formula um two people don't know each other They meet each other, they initially don't like each other, then they start to like each other, then they fall in love, then something happens, and they break up, and then uh, they realize that they love each other, and then they come back, and then everything ends happily ever after. And I think this movie kind of tells that, a love story, in the way that, you know, your love is lost. If you love something, you've given part of yourself to something, and it's going to end at some point, <laughs> you know, one way or the other, you're going to have to say goodbye to that thing. But you can't, you have to honor, you know, the memory of, of that thing that you love. And I think at that point, that's when it clicked for me. And I said, you know, this, this movie is them, uh, in a meta way saying, thank you for watching all these movies It has to end some way and we're going to end it in a way that we feel does the most service to you. A lot of reviews I saw said that there's too much fan service in the movie. Um, Yeah, y'all should not be reviewing movies. (laughs) Too much fan service. That doesn't make sense. Watch 22 movies, man. Give me some fan service. Show me Smart Hulk. Show me Fat Thor. I want to see it. That's that's what I want to see. Um, but either way, at that point, they get all the stones. You know, they have a big fight about, you know, uh, not a fight, but, you know, they discuss, you know, what happened with Black Widow and everything like that as a group, which is it's disappointing that she was the only female Avenger, I guess, in terms of like representation. But I think they pay that moment off later in the big fight with the A-Force-inspired all-female Avenger team that basically saved Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, the Avenging Moms, some of the memes have said. Um, and they say, you know, alright, we lost Black Widow, but you know, her legacy is alive in these this all-female Avengers team. Not to mention, you know, Captain Marvel and uh, how important the women of the MCU have been um, starting, I would say probably in like the last half of, of the series of movies, but in the future, basically all those characters uh, are available to use in the future. I'm not saying it's fair to trade one of the original Avengers, but you see by the end of the movie, more or less, um, the only original Avenger that they could continue to use would probably be Thor. And Thor, and uh, maybe the Hulk. I'm not sure. He doesn't seem too smashy, smashy. <laughs> in uh, in Endgame, he kind of seems like, hey, I'm gonna be the brains, but you know, I'll Hulk out when I need to. But I'm not gonna be this uncontrollable rage monster. So they all leave at the end of the movie, changed. Um, but the big spoiler at the end is or the big sacrifice the, the end of the movie is more or less that Iron Man sacrifices himself and I think for him the the question of love in terms of uh, the, this movie is that it's been leading up to him being with Pepper um, to the point where in the beginning of this movie, he, that story's wrapped up. It's him, he's got a daughter, he's not an Avenger, he's moving on, uh, he's still inventing stuff, you can see in the movie, but he's still Tony Stark, but at this point, its he's a family man, which is, and that becomes the most important thing to him. Which kind of being this Womanizing playboy millionaire was kind of his biggest thing, you know, being the smartest guy in the room. But now you can see from his interaction with the with his daughter when she says, "I love you 3,000," heartbreaker um, <laughs> that he doesn't care about being the smartest guy in the room anymore. That it, it, most of his ego has been tempered to this point. Um, he's still very smart, very strategic, very, uh, very, you know, intelligent. He doesn't dumb himself down, but what he wants is to be part of a family. And I guess he thought he had that with the Avengers, uh, until Cap kind of, <laughs> you know, betrayed him. And he's like, no, I'm done with this whole thing, which I think also is very relatable. Um, it didn't work out the way that he wanted it to and he kind of had ideas that he feels like they didn't get to do but he maybe he feels like if they would have listened to him instead of captain america then things would have turned out different honestly uh i believe that thanos was inevitable things wouldn't have turned out any different um because that threat was still there and you can see that pretty much in infinity war but at the end of the day, it's up to him. He's, you know, the guy that can get to the stones and knows what has to happen. Um, so he, you know, after the big battle, you know, to, to paraphrase the whole thing, you know, he ends up with the stones and he says, I am Iron Man and snaps away Thanos and his army. And... I was a blubbering mess at this point in the movie <laughs> like I I was already like ready to cry and when Pepper said we'll be okay bruh it was just like I'm not gonna lie I mean you can take my man card if you want um I was and crying and everything like I had to watch the whole end of the movie after that um like wiping my eyes <laughs> it was like super emotional but then again man like 10 years we've been with these characters for 10 years Tony Stark Iron Man like ever since the first one so um, she said we'll be okay which I think also was the franchise telling everybody you know hey don't worry we still got this we'll still make the content that you like but these guys have been with us for so long it's time to let them go um, and she says you can rest now, and he doesn't say anything. Like he's catatonic at this point, point. and we've seen him in a bad spot before. Uh, at the end of the first Avengers movie, you know he looked like he was the one that was going to sacrifice for everybody, and at the end of Endgame, that's exactly what he ends up doing. Um, you know he was the one that flew through the wormhole. He had to deal with the PTSD of seeing the threat that was coming, uh, which is kind of crazy because you think about it, he's, he spends the whole rest of the franchise trying to explain to people what he saw and the threat that he saw, and pretty much people aren't listening to him. <laughs> They're like, you know, we'll take it, We'll look at, look at us, we're superheroes, there's a team of us, we'll, we'll take on whatever challenge, and he's just like, look, we need to prepare. Um, but at the end of the day, it was it was on him to do what he had to do, and I mean a, a complete arc. He goes from being a selfish, arrogant uh, guy to um, reconciling with his ego, reconciling with his with his father, reconciling with Pepper, um, having a kid. Um, taking on that responsibility as opposed to him just being a free-willing guy that gets to do whatever he wants Um, and he grows from that all that experience is wrapped up in in that one moment Um, probably one of the better payoffs I mean in terms of watching 22 movies each of which Iron Man has had a hand in or, or Played a part in to some degree. uh, He basically takes takes on that responsibility of being the one to end this chapter, Um, or more like this volume. (laughs) I guess if the movies are chapters. And um, for me, I think like that's if you if you look at it in the whole, that's. Probably one of the greater character arcs uh, that's been told in movies over such a long period of time. Um, James Bond, at the end of James Bond, is he's James Bond. You know, he doesn't really change too much. He's still that guy. Um, Iron Man is a completely different character. It's more like the reverse of what happens to Walter White in Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> it's probably a bad analogy, but... You get the point. Um, but yeah, and then the whole rest of the movie, I don't even know because I was crying so so much. Um, like I said, if you want my man car, you can come get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it's at the end of the day, it's a great movie. Um, and the main themes I, I took out of it were, you know, the things that you'll do for, you know, what you what you love and what you believe in. And how to cope with difficult choices, and you know where do, where do you stop? and what are you willing to give uh, for the love of others? So that's my perspective of it. I mean, you'll probably read a bunch of different articles, listen to a bunch of podcasts or watch a bunch of videos or something that give you their perspective. But the official trademark perspective from your boy, TMP Chuck is, in uh, game was probably the love story of <laughs> 2019. So first off, thank you for sitting through uh, this episode. It was a three hour movie, um, probably a pretty long podcast, um, and I left a lot of stuff out. Like I said, it wasn't a review. It's kind of just more of my perspective uh, how I felt watching the movie. I think overall, you know, the bottom line, it's a fitting end to uh, an amazing achievement. You know, very few movies, franchises have uh, a world that's as persistent as the Marvel Universe where, you know, your main characters don't get switched out. They don't retell the stories. Um, it's kind of one long story through and through and for them to be able to wrap this movie up that way and kind of say thank you to the fans um, is something special and I really hope that if whether you like the movie you didn't like it whatever your criticisms are um, just understanding the fact that this is something that we don't really get to see as a movie audience Um, I think there was probably like 20 Land Before Time movies and stuff like that. But, you know, outside of that, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is something at at a scale that we don't normally get to see as audiences or as fans of, you know, the the comics and uh, these characters and everything like that. I think it was fitting I mean they faced a big enough threat the consequences were, were very real like I said I didn't even get to talk about like you know what's my favorite parts of the movie or like what lines were the best or what scenes were the best or anything like that because uh, that, that wasn't the point of this like I said like it's kind of pointless to do a review everybody that's going to watch it is going to watch it um, hopefully you guys feel the same way about my podcast and everybody that listens is going to listen <laughs> And uh, if you did stick with me through this whole thing, uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, like I said, let me know how you felt about the movie. Hit me up on Twitter at iCastTMP. That's O-D-C-A-S-T-T-M-P. And remember, if you listen to me on the PodCoin app, you can get paid or get rewarded to listen. Uh, every 10 minutes is one PodCoin. So this episode alone will probably net you about five of them bad boys. Uh, like I say, you can trade those in for rewards through that app. is available on uh, Android and uh, iTunes, whatever the i the iShop is, Apple and Android. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, this has been the TM podcast. I'm your boy Chuck, and we are outie.